Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Over the next 20 minutes, our goal is to dig deeper into the themes and topics of the most recent Sunday teaching. We'll look to tackle some of the challenging kinds of questions that you may be thinking as you heard the message but didn't get the opportunity to ask the teacher at the time. This podcast works in conjunction with our weekly Beyond the Sermon devotional. If you don't receive those already, you can sign up using the link in our podcast show notes. So whatever you're doing right now, at the gym, driving, folding laundry, whatever it might be, we invite you to listen in as together we go Beyond the Sermon. Welcome, everyone. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship at The Ridge, and I'm also your host for Beyond the Sermon. And with me today, I have a special guest, Ridge Marketing and Communication Manager, Dan Logan. Dan, welcome to the studio. Thank you, Will. Good to be here again. Yes, good to have you back. Always kind of a little scared when you're sitting across from me, because most of the time I'm the one being asked yeah. the questions. I, I've prepared no questions for you today. Yes, so I feel, I feel a little more relaxed, actually. Uh, one thing, before we jump in here, I have to mention, so I was having a conversation a few weeks ago with somebody. I was mentioning about you, all good. Of and course. Yes, and I was talking, to, and then they listened, and then they were like, who are you talking about? And I was like, like Dan Logan? And they're like, you mean Dane? <laughs> and I realized in my accent, have I been mispr- mispronouncing Dean's name for the last two years? Well, I don't know. Accents are tricky. You know, I, it's never bothered me any. Um, but also you've been talking to me. So I knew yes. you were talking to me and about me. Yes. Uh, but it's kind of, it is kind of a blend of Dean and Dane. Yes. Uh, but I'll, I'll let you off though. Okay. Keep, well, as long going. as you're happy with it, then yeah. I'm fine with that. Uh, this past Sunday was Palm Sunday. And this is a tradition that goes back as far as like the fourth century where Christians commemorated Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. And you were in Luke 19, verses 28 to 40, which is kind of the traditional passage. We see Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. People are praising him, you know, shouting, Hosanna. And there was this whole expectation of what Jesus was going to do, that he was the Messiah. He was going to you know, free them from the oppression of the Romans, social political reform. The Pharisees are kind of ticked off and they're t- saying like, Jesus, tell them to be quiet, you know. Jesus says this this phrase in response, and this is what you really picked up in your message. You said, uh, Jesus says this, he says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I don't think I've ever heard anybody give a sermon, a message on that, Dean. So what was it that kind of drew you to that phrase? What, why did it stand out yeah. for you? Well, it's a good question. And the completely transparent answer is um, when I was assigned Palm Sunday, I was kind of shaking in my boots. Normally, you know, kind of give people a, a peek behind the curtain. Um, Mike Van Reese, when he takes a, a break from the stage and asks somebody else to pinch hit for him, um, he will say, you know, the world is your oyster. Choose your own adventure. What do you want to talk about? Where's the spirit leading you? And in the past, that's been really fun. I've usually tried to kind of anchor what I talk about around whatever sermon series Mike is doing, but maybe just kind of an unconventional look at it. So we did a series on the dreams of Joseph, right? Um, those are literal dreams, but also um, like, you know, like falling asleep dreams, but also mm. like aspirations and that sort of thing. And so yeah. I was like, where else are dreams in the Bible? And that's where I went for those that sermon in particular. But this time he was like, I'm putting you in a box. It's Palm Sunday. Mm. And he didn't say necessarily that I have to preach on Palm Sunday, but I felt like there's an obligation there. You know, like, this is an important day. Mm. We are kicking off Holy Week um, with, right. with this, uh, this holiday. And so I felt like there was an obligation to do something. And yet when I think about Palm Sunday, it's just like, ah, uh, 
it's so hollow in so many ways. Yes, there's this joy. Yes, there's this exaltation of Jesus. It's, yeah, Hosanna, King. Mm. Um, and, and then they kill him five days later. It's, they murder the guy. Mm. Um, and so it seems so weird to, to fixate on the joy, the celebration of Palm Sunday. And so when I was going through the scripture, I just kind of went over it, you know, three, four times. This passage stuck out to me. It's like, oh, this is interesting. So not everybody was happy. The, the Pharisees were actually pretty disgruntled by mm. this procession. How does Jesus respond? He says, the stones will cry out. And I think I kind of get that on a level, but I want to dig into that some more. And that's where the sermon came from. That's awesome. So let's let's dive into that uh, a little deeper. You mentioned there's about 250 instances in scripture where God implores his people to praise him. And yet you also said he doesn't need our praise. Mike talked about this a couple of Sundays ago as well, about the fact that we could cease to exist, but God would still be God. He doesn't need us in that sense. Correct. No, I might, Dean, if, if there was, you know, anyone on earth saying this, you know, in terms of you praise me, if I said that, walked into the office and told you to do that, you'd be like, what in the world? We'd think, you know, you're egocentric, prideful. Right. Nobody likes a braggart. Well, how is this different with God? Yeah. Why is God the one who has the authority and, and the, the personhood, I guess, to, to say that legitimately? Yeah. That's a great question. So for starters, I think you're you're right to say that God is completely self-sufficient. And, and as Mike said a few weeks back, I said it in my sermon, he doesn't need our praise and worship. And yet, when we pause and we think about it, I think it's really clear that he deserves that praise from us. Um, I mean, he gave us life. He built us a beautiful world. He sent his son to die for us. He forgave us and continues to forgive us time and time again, even when we've, we've endeavored to screw that world up pretty praiseworthy stuff across the board from God. And I think that all of us would agree that there's something just right about praising praiseworthy things, whether mm. it's actions or, or people or whatever it might be. And as humans, I think we instinctively know this, and I think we instinctively praise other people for all sorts of achievements. We praise people um, that we love and admire, whether it's our kids or whether it's our friends or our spouse or some sort of celebrity. And I think it's pretty easy to make the argument that it's not only like, okay, but there's something right about praising things that are praiseworthy, that are admirable in those people. So imagine, for example, Will, you're an artist, but maybe not in this sense, but imagine that you were super inspired one day and you created this incredibly beautiful sculpture. Totally you, right? Yes. Yeah, uh -huh. You know me. Love, love a bit of sculpture. <laughs> and so imagine that this sculpture just like captivated the world. Like people were like, oh my gosh, this thing's incredible. And it wound up winning some prestigious award for, for sculpture. Mm -hmm. But then when it came time for the award ceremony they gave the prize for your sculpture to the wrong artist. Mm. They gave it to somebody else. That wouldn't feel right. That's not mm. correct. That's not appropriate. It's not good. And I'd say in the same way, God, as the only being perfect in goodness and justice and love mm. and purity, he's worthy of our praise. And yet sometimes we give credit for the good things in our life, for the God things in our life, to people or to circumstances or just good luck mm. or even to ourselves. And so I think that's the real danger here is we need to praise something. God mm. is doing amazing things. Something deserves our praise. It needs to be him. He deserves it. And it's also healthy for us to remember his influence, his positive influence over our lives. Mm. So that's, that's kind of where I land on that. No, I really like that. That really helps me to see that, you know, when we think of somebody who's prideful and, and saying that you should praise me, you know, it's it's just not... 
I think we're just recognizing it's not a really legitimate statement, you know? Because there's going to be so many flaws in there as well, right? Yes. And when with God, when he says something like that, he is worthy. Yeah. There's no, there's no pretense, there's no, there's nothing jarring about that statement because he is worthy of all our praise. Yeah. You know, that's exactly what we should do in response to God. And in it, and in any sense, I think God's just kind of stating the obvious. Yeah, <laughs> in a very non-prideful and making sure way. that the the praise goes in a place that's going to be constructive to us. If we're giving the praise that God deserves to other people, to other things, or to ourselves, mm. that's going to bring about some pretty negative consequences yeah, for that's us. True. That's I, true. I would add one more thing here, and that's that beyond the praise being right and good, worshiping God also brings us joy. And it brings us closer to him. So we see this in human relationships as well, I would imagine. So think of a man and his wife, for example. Wouldn't it bring a husband joy to praise his wife? Mm. And wouldn't that reinforce the love that they have for one another? She would feel loved. He would feel loved. And there'd be a reciprocation of some sorts in that relationship mm. that draws them more into unity with one another. And actually, there's a there's a quote. It's, it's relatively long, but I brought it with me today because I thought it was really good. This is from C.S. Lewis, and it's on the same subject. He it's writes, gonna be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be good, It's going to be good. You got a whole library of him in your office. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. So. <laughs> um, here's what Lewis says on this subject. I had never noticed that all the enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. The world rings with praise. Readers praise their favorite poet. Walkers praising the countryside. Players praising their favorite game. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? The psalmists in telling everyone to praise God are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. I think that we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. So I thought that was just a really good encapsulation. I mean, we we enjoy God if we're doing it right. If we're really aware of his his influence in our lives, the things that he's up to, we're going to enjoy him. And the praise brings that joy full circle in a way. Yeah, I love that. So toward the end of your message, Dan, you mentioned how we are God's plan A, per se. You know, to quote you, you said, given the choice he'd prefer to have us as sons and daughters lead the choir in praising him and acknowledging his goodness so maybe somebody is listening, Dean, and they feel a bit dry in terms of the worship of God. I think a lot of us have have seasons like that. Maybe we're, we just don't feel that passion or that motivation to respond to God in that way. Where are some places you can go to kind of fan that flame again, you know, fuel for worship, yeah. if you like? Yeah. One of the cool things about God um, is he's omnipresent. He, he's in everything. He's always with us, and he if we invite him in, he's in everything that we do. Um, and yet I think sometimes we can put him in a box. Um, we can say, oh, this is how I interact with God. It's, it's through this one or two disciplines or whatever it might be. And even that word discipline, it's something that's like, ugh, about mm. it, right? Um, but he wants us to enjoy him literally every step of the way. He wants us to notice him, to acknowledge what he's up to, to see the beauty that he's made, to see the work he's doing in our lives all the time. And so I would say if you're feeling that dryness that Will described where there's just, uh, you just don't feel like you're saturated with God and therefore maybe it's difficult to praise. I would say try to explore maybe some different avenues to him and then to praise. And so I actually found a really interesting blog post and I was um, kind of researching this message and trying to think through like, yeah, what exactly can we do to stay close to God? 
And it broke it down into a, a handful of different sort of like personality types or categories, like the things that gratify us in some way. And so I'll walk you through a few of the ones that stood out to me that I think are, are kind of useful to think about. Yeah, sounds good. One would be traditionalists. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I've observed um, in the couple of years that I've been here, I came in right at the the tail end of, I mean, I guess COVID's never really over, mm-hmm. but the tail end of most of the, the the mass, you know, impact of COVID. And we had a lot of people that had pivoted from traditional church services to watching online, just like we did everything in our life. We're doing meetings online, we're talking to family online, whatever it might be. And yet I wonder if there are people listening to this podcast who haven't made it physically back to a church mm. and that, you know, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You don't have to be a, in a church physically, but there's something about that. There's something mm. about walking into a space alongside other people who are also coming to that space to worship and commune with God and with one another. Um, and so if that's something that maybe you feel is missing in your life, maybe you're feeling a little dry, maybe most of your interactions with God are via a screen or via your headphones or whatever else it might be, physically getting in a space devoted to him is kind of a cool idea. Yeah, I love that. Another one would be for the intellectuals among us. And I can skew this way sometimes too. I suspect that you can as well, Will. Um, but that's just reading God's word and not just reading it, um, but studying it. And really maybe asking questions. That's what a lot of, we just did a a podcast series a few weeks ago that we're going to release here before too long on the big questions of the faith. And sometimes we just need a good mystery. You know, we need Mm. a question. We need something tugging at our hearts and we need to dive headfirst into that thing. Mm. Um, And these can be hard questions. You know, what is, what is love? Um, Why, why do good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? All those age old existential sorts of questions, find one. And dive into scripture and and try to answer some of those questions for you. And you're going to be drawn closer to the person of God. And you're going to see him reveal himself in pretty marvelous ways, I would say. Yeah, it's good. What's um, next? Other ones, and this one will be close to your heart too, I would imagine. They categorize these folks as sensates. Um, these wow. are the people that, that that feel things, that, that like to ex, um, explore their, their their senses, their five senses. So mm. music is a really good one in this case. Uh, whether that's on Spotify, but also just like going to church for the traditionalists going to a concert. Mm. We don't do this at the Ridge. And I'm going to give you permission right now. If you're a Ridge attender and you want to explore other religious services, go to a choir performance. There's nothing quite like that Mm. to kind of lift your soul and lift your spirit, but get out of the box that you find yourself in, perhaps explore some other areas of music Mm. and maybe even a live experience could be a way to connect as well. Yeah. Uh, two, uh, three more, I guess. The first, next one's pretty straightforward, but naturalists. Um, these are folks that enjoy nature, enjoy kind of taking a break from maybe the rigors of life. And I can, this is one that hits me pretty close to home. Um, mm. I'm a city kid. I've always grown up in cities. But when I get a chance to go on a walk, whether it's even through my neighborhood or I go out in a trail, I can't help but see the beauty that God has created around me. Mm. And it, it just leads me to a different sort of thought pattern than maybe that I would encounter in my everyday life. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's getting warm out. Thank goodness. Yes. We, we might get a little snow here in a few days. Who knows? Yes. But um, generally speaking, it's starting to perk up a little bit outside. Get out there and just, yeah, revel in the nature and the beauty of God, um, yes. all the things that he's made. And then the last couple here. Contemplatives, um, these are people that maybe benefit from solitude, from retreat, from prayer. Um, I would say, again, if your life's chaotic, and I know this is hard, I mean, to say, like, take a break, hit pause on it, but maybe devote, put it on your calendar. I'm going to I'm gonna take an afternoon off from work if I can swing that. And my agenda is, is going to be to be at rest. And it's going to be just to let God speak to me. That's a pretty cool thing to do as well. And then finally, caregivers. Um, these are people that see God through their interactions with other people. 
You mm-hmm. know, this could be serving. This could be just baking a meal for someone, hosting someone at your house. But do it with the intentionality of being the hands and feet, the the spokesperson, um, the representative of Jesus. Show his love to somebody else. And my guess is his love will be revealed to you as well along the way. So the, the bottom line here is I, I gave you a few. There's lots more. Yeah. Do something a little different. Um, God wants to give us all kinds of ways to experience him. So just, just throw another variable in the mix and see where that leads you. Yeah. I love that. The one thing that I was thinking about, Dan, is thinking about praise and worship as a response to something. Cause often we think of it just as a thing, you know, as yeah. Christians, we worship God as Christians, we praise him. But when, when you praise something, you're doing it in response to something. That's a great point. You know, uh, like your child does an awesome picture and you, you praise them, but it's in response to the picture or you don't give them the standing O when they get out of bed in the morning. Right. right. <laughs> that would be a little weird. <laughs> well, yes, but I'm just thinking about with God. I think sometimes not always the case, but sometimes when we, we're in those seasons of kind of lackluster worship and praise, it's maybe because we're not seeing him very clearly. Yeah. You know, we're not, as you has given us some great examples, we're maybe not putting ourselves in the places to experience him, to know him, because it's kind of like the difference of, you know, I've never been to the Grand Canyon and mm-hmm. I see some pictures of it and I'm like, yeah, I mean, looks pretty, it's pretty cool. But then I could chat with somebody like Pastor Mike, who's actually been there and their language and how they describe it. And they're just like, oh my gosh, Will, like it's yeah, it's hard to fathom. I mean, this thing, you know, that's sometimes the dynamic that can happen with worship and praise. Yeah. It dries up because we're not, we've nothing really to respond to yeah. because we don't know God or we're not, we're well, not experiencing him. No, yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying it's always the way. There's other reasons, but it can be a big one. Yeah, I, I think we can um, pretty easily tune God out. I know I can. I can. I tell people sometimes I work at a church. You know, this is my my vocation. This mm. is forty plus hours in my week. I can go through an entire week working at a church without really working for God. Mm. Um, that that happens sometimes, and I think that we have to fight against that by yeah, one acknowledging it. It's okay to say yeah, I'm in a dry spell, God. Yeah, I don't I don't feel close to you right now. I don't feel your presence. Mm. But then being proactive about that and saying my habits probably have a contribution to that. And I'm going to change this. I'm going to do this right now. And I know you're going to show up. That's, that's important to invite him into that space. And, and he does. Yeah, I love that. So, Dan, thank you so much for your time and effort and just kind of pushing through the challenge of Palm Sunday, maybe. Yeah, I, I was grateful that God showed up for me and gave yes. me a different kind of a, a side door. Love it. it love know? it how you led. Uh, just before you go, just for our listeners, I just want to encourage you with this Easter weekend, just a few days away, I want to encourage you just to take some time over the next few days, just to consider afresh what Jesus has done for you, you know, during that history-defining weekend nearly 2,000 years ago. You know, as with Christmas, I feel like there's always a den- the danger that the central reason for our celebration can be overshadowed by preparations for family gatherings or season- seasonal fest- festivities. festivities. That's why I'm here. Back you up. <laughs> So I just encourage I encourage you to do that. And Dan, we have a number of services going on this weekend. How do people sign up for that or, or give an RSVP? Yeah, real real simple. On a, um, you can go to the Ridge website, ridgelife.org. It should be big and bright there, um, a link to RSVP for Easter. If you want to go directly to it, it's ridgelife.org slash Easter. You can select from our service on Saturday evening or the three services we have on Sunday morning. And RSVP is important. I would encourage you to do that if you can. And the, the big reason why is we definitely want 
want to make sure we know our most busy service is going to be the 945 on Sunday. So we want to make sure that we leave enough space for our guests to come. We never want somebody to show up at the Ridge and be one of a thousand and just be like, oh, sorry, we don't have room for you to have the real experience. So your RSVP helps us just make sure that we're planning to fill all those services and give everybody who comes through our doors a really good experience. Love that. Okay, so jump on, do your RSVP if you haven't already. And thanks again for being with us. We'll hope you'll join us next time on Beyond the Sermon. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week. I want to mention one last thing before we go. Our heart at The Ridge is to help people grow in their relationship with God. There are so many ways to get connected into what can be life-changing environments for you and your family. The best way to keep in touch with all that is happening is through our website, ridgelife.org, but also through our weekly e-news. You can sign up to receive this directly to your inbox using the link in our podcast show notes. Finally, thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please feel free to share with friends or family. We hope to catch you next time on Beyond the Sermon.